Yeah, 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 yeah. Good to be back, everybody. Good. Gouda to be back. Thank you to Jake Nager and the Moment of Truth for supplying our intro music here. Jake Nager, the Moment of Truth, new record out now. Record as in vinyl. Can't wait to get my hands on some of the vinyl. Jake's going to be a future guest here on the podcast. Today, we're actually talking to a guy who Jake's played with and his brother, Zach Nager, currently plays with. That's uh, We're talking Carl Denson here. And he's got a new record out with Carl Denson's Tiny Universe. It's called Gnomes and Badgers. And uh, Carl, the very handsome Carl, I might add, our guest today. And if you don't know Carl, saxophonist, flautist, vocalist from Santa Ana, but he's been here in San Diego forever and a day. Co-founded Grey Boy All-Stars. We we riff on that for a, for a good amount of time. Those Green Circle days, amazing here in San Diego. If you remember, you were part of that. He was also a member of Lenny Kravitz's band. You know that sax solo in uh, Let Love Rule? The That's Carl. He's a friggin' man. So looking forward to sitting down here with Carl. Things do get political, to give you a heads up, because his new record, Gnomes and Badgers, very political. And uh, so... No matter where you stand politically, just roll with it, right? We're all friends, so just keep that in mind. And we all have we all have the common theme of just doing good, being positive, and uh, good humans. That's all I got for now. I don't feel like getting on that soapbox. One thing, though, I forgot to ask him about was his time with the Rolling Stones. Things got so political, I forgot to ask him. <laughs> forgot to ask him about that. But I do know he's got a show, Friday Night Music Box, Carl Denson's Tiny Universe, legendary musician and uh, stoked proud to have him on the podcast first gotta thank our sponsors we'll start with march and ash which is a san diego's premier premier dispensary if you haven't been you know if it's not your scene totally cool first of all again we we try to make this a judgment-free zone so on all sides but uh, if you are interested in cbd or thc products definitely make March and Ash, your home shop, the nicest shop in Sandy. You'll be blown away. Seriously, it's like going to Nordstrom. It's the type of place you want to take your mom. In fact, my mom has gnarly arthritis, and I get her CBD rubs down there, topicals for her hands, and uh, they've got it all. Seriously, it's amazing. You go down there, you're like, whoa. I've taken friends there before, and they're just blown away. You, even people who have no interest in the uh, in the products. They just want to see it, and it's just worth seeing. And you can check it out. 21 and up. All you need is that California State ID, baby. And uh, also want to thank Baja Bound Mexican Auto Insurance. Check them out at BajaBound.com. If you're planning a trip south of the border, hook it up. There's no better company to take care of all your insurance needs. You can insure essentially all or most of your personal belongings. They have all the information on their website, but BajaBound.com, and certainly uh, hit them up if you're in need of insurance while heading to Mexico. My wife just got back. She was there for three days with some girlfriends. They went to wine country at the time of their life, so... Don't don't buy into the it's dangerous or don't go to Mexico. Don't buy into that stuff, trust me. I mean, I, I of all people, I, I trip out on that stuff, and I love going to Mexico. And every time I do, I hook up with the homies at Baja Bound Auto Insurance. And we've got links all over the website at you, yewonline.com. 
And finally, before we get to Carl Denson, also want to thank the Scooter Farm. If you've got a scooter kid in your house that likes to scoot, rip around town, thescooterfarm.com, or check them out in Claremont. And then also South Coast Surf Shops for all your surf needs and apparel and all that stuff, southcoast.com. All right, I'm done. Carl Denson's Tiny Universe. But Carl Denson, far from tiny. Yeah, man. So I'm just... uh out here humping it hustling nine, it 10 o'clock in the morning <laughs> this is early for you yeah, i this love is it early i got up at, i got up at 7 30 this morning it's, whoa it's like a couple hours earlier than my my normal time and then you know when you get into my body clock and the fact that we just switched time Oof. i actually got up at 6 30 kills me this whole dst thing man yeah i'm not i'm not feeling it this over year. it so uh san diego's been home for you for for how long now like uh 25 years it's crazy yeah I remember when you first came to town because you were playing with Grey Boy, right? Right. You did the Green Circle thing, and that was just... Remember oh. that place downtown? Do you remember that place? <sighs> that was insane. The jam. That was that was the jam. Yeah, that was when I first came to San Diego. Yeah. I, I, I grew up in Orange County. So I, I, met, I met DJ Grey Boy in 91, 91, 92. Yeah. And then by 93, I was working down here. Man, yeah, because that was 91, 92. That's uh, right when I was turning 21 and just starting yeah, to go out. Yeah, Grey Boy All-Stars' first gig was December of 93. Okay, and for those who don't know, that whole scene that was going on with the Green Circle here in San Diego, can you uh, can you elaborate a little bit? Because you were in the heart of it. You were it. Yeah, we were. You know what? I was over in Europe with Lenny Kravitz, and I was going out to clubs, to dance clubs, and I heard this this thing going on with, um, with, with dance music and hip hop where they were starting to sample all these old records that I knew. You know, like I'd hear some Milt Jackson or something on a, on a, on a De La Soul record, yeah. or, you know, and, and then they, then they, they uh, it's called acid jazz. They started having DJs spinning, spinning grooves and live musicians playing over it. Yep. So um, Grey Boy came and approached me about working with him, and I went down and, and we did a track called "Unwind Your Mind" <laughs> on uh, oh on, I remember on that Equity Records yeah and then I went back on the road back to Europe man I was hearing the tune in these dance clubs and I was just like yes this is it because I like dance music so for me to be played in dance clubs was like a really big deal then I came back and um, in the meantime he had recorded. Um, uh, freestyling, mm-hmm. and Harold Todd did did the the sax and flute work on that record. Man, do I love Harold! How's Harold doing? Harold's sidebar? doing great. Harold's Harold's doing great. He's still playing with Lenny Kravitz. What an amazing man! And a, yeah, and an amazing his flute playing is beyond. Um, so he did that record, but then um, I was getting busy doing my jazz thing in Europe. So it's time for me to leave Lenny. So I called Harold. Harold came in as a replacement for me with Lenny Kravitz. So when, and then he took my gig. <laughs> Hit when that happened. He was so good that he took my gig. I, I, I actually, <laughs> I told Lenny, I go, I go, you're going to love this guy. He kind of, we're, we're the same size. He can wear my clothes, you know, and I said, and you might like him better. And, oh, and, no. and, and then, you know, he freaking took my gig. That's a riot. Harold. Dang you. So, so, so anyway, I went home and um, and then uh, ended up 
um, being there when when we started the Great Boy All Stars. Yeah, and so, that scene was insane, right? Yeah, and it was just like, man, we played literally. We could play seven nights a week in San Diego, and and we we're playing jazz. I know that was the crazy part. We we're playing like dance clubs. And playing Horace Silver tunes, and you know, and, and this is before all the the hipster stuff and yeah. the North Park stuff. I mean, this right. was, this was the hipsters hipster spot. Yeah, yeah, this was it, and uh, and it was just an amazing period. It, it, it lasted, it lasted about four or five years. Yeah, and and then uh, it was it was weird because it was like such a DJ driven dance thing that it was uh, it was usurped by um, you remember drum and bass. Yeah. Drum and bass started right after that. You're so that's right. What, that's what the kids went to. So then we we were lucky enough where our manager Eric Newson was um, was kind of smart enough to to kind of push us into you know the, where 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 fish and um, and the dead were you know kind mm, of a, kind, kind of, of a jam bandy yeah we were longer that, form we were, we were in the beginning of the jam band scene. I remember that. And so we kind of moved over there, and that's that's. Where we remained for years. That's right. Now, how did you initially sync up with Lenny Kravitz to begin with? I met Lenny through a, a, a friend, a trumpet player. We were um, just uh, hanging out in L.A. doing doing sessions and stuff, and and we showed up at a at a session that Lenny was playing bass and kind of helping produce, and that was ninety. I mean, eighty seven. Okay. And then in eighty eight, he was in New York working on his record and called us and. We went out there and and you know and by by the by '89 I was in the band and getting ready to go on tour for Let Love Rule. Man, that's a fun time, wasn't it? It was. It was really good, man. It was you know my first real you know experience as a professional making real money and and you know being able to yeah actually think about you know being in a relationship <laughs> that usually I happens too, i was too broke to fall in love i was gonna say that's that. once you start getting the money the relationships follow yeah, right yeah, exactly that's funny now uh you grew up you said in in, in orange county tell yeah. me about uh your, your childhood was there always music in the house yeah because i'm the I'm, I'm five of six okay and and so my older brothers and sisters always played great music and you know motown um, James Brown, and then my my brother just above me, five. He's four and a half years older than me. He, um, when I was about twelve, eleven or twelve, he he got into jazz. So all of a sudden, I started hearing these great, you know, Eddie Harris and Yusef Latif and John wow. Coltrane records coming Woo. through the house. You know? Heavy. Yeah, it was good. It was really it was a good good thing to 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 juxtapose the funk over you know yeah. <laughs> so i was so, so that that was what i wanted to do by the time i was you know 16 17 i was a jazz guy yeah what were you playing so when you first started picking up instruments what was it uh saxophone oh so you went straight to yeah yeah i played i played a little bit of cello in in fourth grade for some reason but um but seventh grade i started playing sax now do you think kids are as into music today when it comes to picking up an instrument like it was back when we were kids because it was kind of a standard thing like I had to pick up a guitar yeah it's it's not the same they, right they you know the the I think we're gonna rotate back to it but for some reason you know it's just like all the it's like the nonsense that goes on in in and you know with the politics right now it's it's all the same stuff and for some reason they phased out um, 
um, music and physical education and arts and all, just you know, any and of arts. the arts. Yeah, yeah, and they, they we'll get back to it, but it's going to take a little bit of time because you know it's just that it's that classic, you know, that Greek balance of spirit and body and mind and all that. You know that we'll we'll figure out, but it makes people smarter to play instruments. I and, agree, and to draw and to you know and to run and run and jump. And where exactly did you grow up in Orange County? Santa Ana. I always think like Irvine and Laguna when I think Orange County. Yeah, no. Was there a scene up there at the time in Santa Ana? There was, man. You know what? I had um I had a really good good teachers. I had a I had a teacher um in junior high school, Mr. Cole, um, Ed Cole, who was um who was a trumpet player. And I actually gigged with him a little bit as I got older. How cool! And uh, and then my my high school teacher Jim Butler is um, still around, and he was was awesome, great sax player. Gigged with him. So um, and then there was a few people like um, like this this guy Albert Wing, who was an amazing sax player. He was kind of one of those genius types, and he you know ended up playing with Zappa and and uh, the Brecker Brothers stuff like that. So he was like a badass. So he was kind of the guy we looked up to. But there was a nice little scene there. And, and we, you know, I had a band by the time I was, you know, in high school. And we played most of the way through high school. And then, then I started playing Mexican wedding bands. You ever think of going back to it? Hey, I could pick up a Mexican wedding here or there, right? No, I don't nah. think so. I don't think so. It was dangerous. Oh, I bet, right? Going to play a wedding in East L.A. and everybody gets drunk and... You know, somebody somebody steps on somebody's girlfriend and looks you know, the wrong and, way. And we're freaking sneaking our equipment out the back door trying to avoid getting <laughs> shot or something. Well, where'd you go to college? I went to uh, ju- um, junior college at um, uh, Fullerton College. Oh, okay. And then I went to uh, Cal State Long Beach. Okay. Not very successfully. I, I was not a good student. But You're I, a musician, but man. I, Your but, eyes are on other things. But I went I went there. And and once I I started out as a, as a veterinary science major. And that lasted about a year, year and a half. And then I realized, man, you're taking a lot of music classes. Because <laughs> I, I lucked up, and Fullerton College had a great music program. So I ended up, um, you know, realizing I was a musician halfway through college, through that. And then the rest of the time, I just practiced and, yeah. and hung out and, and wrote tunes. Because I, 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 I finished college in in. So I graduated in 75. Okay. So I finished college in 80. Dang, you look good, man. Thank you, sir. So you look younger than me, and I graduated in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, out of college, you just started gigging, and you were yeah, doing your thing there. Actually, I wanted to be an avant-garde musician at, oh. the, at that time. I was just like a punk. Yeah, man. And, uh, so just the drugs uh, in college. I, I was just screeching and scrocking, you know. And <laughs> uh, and I did that, and then I got a gig. I got a gig actually, uh, like around eighty two, eighty three. I started gigging with this guy O'Brien, who was on Capitol Records, hmm. and we were managed by Don Cornelius. Oh wow! From Soul Train, legendary Don so, Cornelius. Yeah, so I I used to hang out with Don Cornelius. We we would go up and. You know, for Christmas, we'd go up and, you know, Dude. give Don Cornelius a present and hang out at his house and, you know, talk talk shop. And You were living it, man. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then um, I did that for a few years, and then he lost his deal probably in 85, 86. And, uh, and then I went, you know, I went and delivered flowers and... <laughs> did what you had to do. Drove mail trucks and, uh, you know, whatever, and... 
and uh, and played jazz in in Orange County little clubs. Okay. And uh, and then I then I did a short stint with this gospel singer Brian Duncan, great singer, and uh, and then I met Lenny. Mm. What was that first encounter like? With Lenny? Yeah. It was pretty insane, man. Um, when I met him, he was working with this really amazing cat, Tony Lamonds, who was a uh, a singer, kind of like a sly, stone kind of guy. Right. Really charismatic, a little too charismatic. He ended up <laughs> dying in a in a in a you know driving his Porsche too fast. Lived too large in, in Malibu. Yeah. And uh, but but it was like this weird thing where you walked into a studio, in you know '87 and and uh, here's these these black guys making live funk, right? Which was not being done at the time. Everything was coming out of a drum machine and yeah, the know, '80s, the Pesh Mode, the yeah, Cure. Yeah, they, they had a they had a freaking great drummer. Lenny was playing bass, uh, really great keyboard player, and you know writing these amazing songs. And um, so Lenny wasn't even singing then, or he was? No, he was. He was. I think he was kind of helping produce the session. Okay, but he was playing bass. Interesting. Tony was an amazing singer, so that's how I met Lenny. And then you know, a year later, he calls us to go to New York, and I remember hearing the songs, hearing a couple of the songs, "Let Love Rule" and maybe one or two other ones, and thinking, okay, this is pretty amazing because you know there was a point where black people weren't allowed to play rock and roll yeah you know like like you know the help remember the whole mtv thing where well, i remember like, when living color came out it was like oh such a big deal black four black guys in a rock band exactly exactly so i mean i i in the 80s i i had played in you know a, you know five or six rock bands black rock bands in la but they couldn't get a record deal Mm. Great bands, but they couldn't get a record deal. They were like, oh, oh, and you oh. really never saw. To your point, did you ever see a black guy on stage with a with a white rock band? No, right? No, no, no. no. And so, uh, so Lenny was kind of breaking new ground, and I knew it. You know, you had had Tracy Chapman before that. Yeah, you know, singer songwriter. She kind of she kind of made you know broke the barrier a little bit, and then Lenny, I was like, man, this is gonna blow up, you know, and and it was that good and. So, you know, we, we went out and did the... Man, did I love that record. We went out and played, you know, that first tour, man. All of a sudden, people like Yoko Ono <laughs> are showing up at shows, you know. <laughs> Buddy Miles, you know, just popping in. We really like your stuff, Lenny. So it, it, was, it was a really fun time. Yeah, I remember being a, what, I think I was in college, San Diego State at the time. And I was like, who is this guy who buys all his clothes at the thrift stores? And yes. that was his big deal. Yes, I remember yeah. like... It was like this, like Jimi Hendrix type, but buys his stuff at thrift stores. It has this yeah. Beatles throwback thing. Yeah, he, it was mind blowing. Yeah, he was. He was really was very stylish, and uh, yeah, we were we were cracking up, man. The, the the clothes we were wearing, you know, when the I remember when I remember saying, I think it was in 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 uh, uh, reference to Prince or something. You know, if anybody brings back bell bottoms, I'm gonna kill them. And <laughs> And then, you know, <laughs> here here it comes. All of a sudden, I'm in freaking bell-bottoms. That's like, awesome. All right, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> now, was it, because I think of that, and you already mentioned and alluded to the fact that, you know, you Harold Todd ended up getting your gig, still plays with Lenny today. Right, right. Now, ever any, I don't want to say regrets, but in terms of just, 
you're, you're living the life. You're in L.A. and then you come to San Diego. What was that transition like for you, if you will? No, no. I, I was totally where I was supposed to be. And um, I was actually, when, when that happened, I was playing with Fred Wesley from James Brown. And um, I was touring with him, and it was and it was like a weird. I was supposed to go back to to, to Lenny off off tour, and uh, and it was it was getting messed up, and 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 so I was like, yeah, Fred, I think I, I think I just lost my gig, and he and he goes, well, that means it's time to do your gig full time, you know, <laughs> and uh, so so you know it was really kind of fortunate that it happened that way, yeah, because I went when I went home. Um, I, I got home in uh, October of 93, and the Grey Boy All-Stars, we started practicing in November. Okay. You know, like, and, and had our first gig in December, and, you know, and that was the best place I could have been. Yeah. You know, and then Harold came back and played with the Grey Boy All-Stars for a while, too. So, and he was uh, doing stuff with Common Sense, wasn't he, yes, too? I remember yes, exactly, that. exactly, exactly. That's so funny. Yeah. And uh, so, so he's on the first Grave All Stars record, and then um, you know, but but for me it was it was awesome because, like uh, like that year, um, after Lenny, you know, I was doing I was doing Lenny at one point, then I'm doing my band, my my jazz quintet, and Fred Wesley at the same time. So I was Dang. super busy, and that just kind of led to the next few years I was doing. You know the Grey Boy All Stars and my jazz thing, and uh, and that the, my jazz thing, I, I stopped doing that in like '97. Yeah. You know, and then I started Grey, um, started Tiny Universe in '98. Man, and what a run! What a tremendous run you've yeah. had with Tiny Universe. Yeah. It's, it's insane, right? Yeah, it is. It Did is. you expect it? No. No. <laughs> no. I love your humbleness. No. But no. Right I, no idea. No idea. I mean, really. Um, the fact that we're still able to do what we do right now is is mind-boggling. How many records have you released? I think I'm around twelve. Yeah, and in the same players or difference, you know, a lot of always different players. Okay. Now I tell you the the best part of of like this new record, I'm I'm really excited because I got Zach Nager and Chris Stillwell from Grey Boy All Stars. Two of my favorite musicians yeah, here so, in town. Yeah, so there's three-fifths of the Grey Boy All Stars um, in that band. And for me, I mean, the Grey Boy All Stars, legendary yeah. in my mind. Just that that band had so much talent. It was incredible. You know, I mean, Mike Andrews is doing all the movies now. Isn't that insane to yeah. think? Mike Andrews, who uh, was part of Grey Boy, yeah. and uh, he now has done, like, what? All these major Hollywood productions, yeah, he all right? The Judd Apatow's movies, all the soundtracks, mu yeah. music supervisor, yeah. the whole yeah. bit. Yeah, exactly. He's up in Hollywood, living the life, you know. And Robert Walter, an incredibly talented writer in in his own right, you know, and keyboard player. And he's he's actually working with uh, with uh, Mike Gordon from Fish now. Oh, okay. Like that's his that's his side gig. Dang. Yeah. So you know, it's it, that was that was just a great. Um, convergence, you know, of, of, of people. I mean, the fact that I walked into that garage, Zach's garage, um, 25 years ago, and, and, you know, we started playing, and I was like, these guys have no idea what they're doing, but they play good, you know? Like, like they literally, <laughs> you know, I was the only guy in there who actually was familiar with the material at all. 
they were just learning it from Gray, from DJ Grayboy. Right. You know, and and you've lived it, you've they, toured it, but and they you're... Play, but they played good. It wasn't even that. I I had I had heard the music as a kid. You know, it was all this like Grant Green and and uh, Boogaloo Joe Jones Boogaloo. stuff that had had you know was was kind of like only black people heard that stuff when it came out. Yeah. You know, that was like black parlor music. Then you and, had me, and, like and, the white guys, going back after experiencing yeah, Grey Boy and researching it. Yeah, all. exactly. And 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 the, that was the beauty of it was because we kind of, in the same way that Lenny, um, brought a lot of people back to to some classic rock, we brought people back to some classic jazz. Truth, you know. And people thought, you know, we, they thought we wrote half those tunes. I did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I admit it. I admit and we, it. And we we were we were just smart enough to write other songs. To fit in with to them fuse that, in. Were, that were ours, so that we 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 made it. We we fleshed out the material. Yeah, and you never left San Diego. No, I love San Diego. I know that, and I think that's so cool because a person of your and uh, I'm not fanboying out here, but of your stature, I think you would you'd settle in L.A., New York, or something like that. No, and, I don't like the big cities. I don't yeah. like traffic. <laughs> I feel like, you. I like it slow, and uh, you know. I, I always thought I would move somewhere else, you know, as an adult, but I am really a Southern Californian. I love it. I love the weather. I love the fact that we don't have freaking skeeters biting you all the time. Yeah. You know, it's just, I come home from wherever I'm at and I'm like, this is better. Yeah, I get it. You know? Nothing like SD, man. Yeah. So, so um, you know, now I'm I'm fully entrenched and, and, you know, I'll die here. And how old are your kids? You've got a couple, right? I got three. Three kids. Yeah, my kids are 24, 23, and 21. Okay, so you're all in the mid-20s. That's a one crazy off, I zone. Got, I got one officially off the dole. She's working in New York and nice. doing her own thing. And uh, um, two, more to, two more to get through college, and then, and then I'm going to take a break. I bet. Yeah. What's the plan after the kids are out of school? I know my plan. Studio apartment, Pacific Beach, Mission it, Beach. Exactly. I'm 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 actually working on I'm I'm living in uh I'm living in, in Encinitas right now and that's where I want to buy something. Yeah. So I, I own a I own a house in Scripps. Okay. Where my where my ex lives. And um but I want I want to buy something in Encinitas. That's that I every day now when I'm home I, I at at sunset I walk down to the beach. It's a twelve-minute walk, and then I walk the I walk down to Swami's. Yeah, the stairs, and then, I, and then I climb the stairs seven times. Good for you. And then I, and that that's my that's my daily routine. That's so, why you look dynamite. So that's that's what I plan to do until I'm like ninety years old. All power to you, Carl. Yeah. So tell us about the new record and uh, big release party this Friday. Let's go. Yeah, man. Um, gnomes and badgers. It's uh. I'm pretty happy with it. Gnomes and badgers. I gotta ask, why gnomes and badgers? Well, the the name actually, um, Mike Andrews thinks I made that name up, and I think he made the name up. We were working on some uh, writing a writing session for the Gray Boy All Stars, and uh, the certain song we decided to uh, it just the working title was Gnomes and Badgers, and I, and then when they. You know, we're writing. We're given the actual names for the songs on the record. They threw that one out, and I was just like, <laughs> "How could you guys throw away gnomes and badgers? That's the greatest title ever." And so, uh, so me and me and my manager, we, we were like, "Let's use that name for the." We were looking for a title <laughs> for the record, and I immediately thought, 
this is perfect because I I have I put a whole political spin on it and and so I'm working on working on a kind of a comic strip. Are you a very political man, Carl? I I I pay attention. Talk to me. And I I well we're we're crazy right now. We've lost our minds. I agree. You know I make the mistake of every once in a while you go on you know you see something interesting and uh, and you on um, and you go online to see what it is. And then you go down the rabbit hole. And then you go into the comment section. Oh no, I can't do it. And it's like, man, you people are crazy and mean. Mean, racist, yeah, homophobic. It's insane. It's gnarly how I mean, people just. Someone could die, and you read a comment. Good, he deserved to die. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, what? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's and it's and it's on both sides. And I I think you know me. I grew up I grew up in church, so I so I I grew up in a real church, like where I read my Bible. I did, you know, Bible scholastics. We had we had we had Bible contests, you know, and and everybody needs to like step back a little bit and and. You know the the Christians need to take a little bit more stock in the truth, and the and the uh, and the uh, the non Christians need to just be a little more empathetic towards people that don't think exactly like them, mm-hmm. and then have a real conversation. You know, but don't just sit on your side of the bench and you know look at Throw the other stones. side, and and especially with this like you know who's American thing. How how weird is it to actually? get a little intimidated when you see the American flag. I know. Because you think, who are those guys? You don't know what it means as much as you used to, because before it used to just signify liberty, life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, And unity, we're all in this together. All, yeah, unity. And now it's like you got a, you got, we got a president who doesn't know the difference between Black Lives Matter and the KKK, and people are cool with that. You're right. You know, it's like that's some weird stuff, man. You know, I, I'm... I'm I'm going down to, to to Florida from time to time, and you know, you go down there and you like. Well, see- that's what people don't understand here. That I think we become very insular in Southern California as a whole. You go other places around the world, the country like you do as a touring musician. Right. You see stuff that we only read in the comment fields. Right. But the people out here too. I'm I'm just gonna you know call it what it is. White people need to take a break. I've got very smart friends. Who have gone a little off the rocker I get it. in the last five years? You know, like like there's a weird thing going on, and people don't understand that. Like, you 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 can't really be down if you're not aware. Mm-hmm. You know, like you 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 can't be like, um, you know, getting upset about the word racist. If you're not aware of what that actually means and how it affects other people, completely agree. You know, like like just um, you know being down with Trump. Don't be surprised that black people don't get it. You know, we had we have this amazing document. You know, the Constitution that allowed for a non non representative of the ruling class. To become the president, you know, Obama became president, and then the backlash from that was, well, he's not American. I know he's and, Muslim. And then the guy who started that, the guy who is who, president, is the freaking president, and everybody's wondering why we're irritated. 
And why there's such a divide. Yeah. I mean, like, 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 just be kind of aware of what's actually going on. You know, it's like everybody needs to take a freaking break and stop thinking they're so damn smart or so dumb. We just don't have tolerance anymore. And that's the thing that gets to me. Exactly. Tolerance is gone. Exactly. Just and I think, and I think, I think the, 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 the lack of tolerance from the non-Christians is just as bad. And that's where we're, we're losing our way. I, I was raised to believe certain things, you know? So as I've grown up, some of my beliefs have changed, some of them haven't. But, um, you know, through, through me looking at the world critically. Uh, now, for me to just think that because we come to a point in history where we were like, okay, well, this is all right, and this is all right, and this is all right. Well, if that's not really all right for these people, you have to like have some compassion and some understanding of the fact that they didn't just make that up yesterday. You know, this is a very old problem that we're dealing with, and it's not going to go away in five years or ten years. It's, nope. a, it's a problem that we have to actually look at and talk to people like humans and not um, like their dad. I'm not your dad. I'm just trying to help you along so that we can get along and, and have a better world to live in. The thing that gets me the most is so many of these policies and, and these ways that we're living right now are also outdated. Don't stand today and the world has freaking changed and we right. need to change with the world. Yes. It's a different time. Own it. Own the fact that we live in a different world and we have to adjust. I know. I know, man. It's like it's like, you know, when when uh, when when Trump started his his rise to power and we're and and they're talking this make America great again. You know, they did a poll where they were like, what, when do you think America was great? And it turned out like the, like the majority of the people were like 1959. Yeah, they don't have an answer. 1959, dude. Yes. I was getting hit over the head for saying boo. Right. You know what I mean? Like, like, like that's like where that's when I want to live. I want to live in 1959. No. When, when black people were being lynched still. Exactly. You know, like it's. So but what's so interesting, you say that too, though, is that, you know, I've got younger kids. I've got a 12 year old who's on Facebook and you got to hear the language these kids are freaking using, man. It's not the language you and I used oh, as a no. kid. You, you just get yourself in trouble. But I also think, you know, we, we, we got to lighten up and we got to, we got to allow for context, you know, like like when, when Bill Maher used the N-word, I'm like, you guys, pick your battle. You know, that guy is out there fighting the fight. Fighting the fight. And I'm not I don't give a rat's ass if he uses the the N-word. Yep. You know, because I know I know what context he's gonna use it in. He's gonna use it in a joking context that has to do with camaraderie. And I also think I also think we got a problem right now with this whole like you can't change your mind idea. So, I agree. So you can go back. You can go back ten years and find somebody something somebody said or did, and and there's n never any way to make up for it. You know, like well, I didn't. I don't think like that anymore. You know, oh screw you. You still you lose your job and right. and, and your livelihood. You know where you've got like you know a freaking Tucker Carlson. He just straight up doubled down on all of the nonsense. Double down. Like, screw you guys. I get to say whatever I want. Well, he knows he's like, got Fox you know, behind him. 
Yeah, because I am a white man in America. Exactly. <laughs> it's like a white chick. You've ever seen that movie with the Wayne it's Brothers? It's been a while, yeah, yeah. but I know it. I am a white woman in America. You know, <laughs> Tucker Carlson is a white man in America. It reminds me when Eddie Murphy dressed up as a white man on SNL. Exactly. It's one of my favorite the real, bits. The real conversation. The real conversation. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it kills me. Well, yeah. So, so, you know, we just got to have context for all of this stuff, man. We're, I think we're doing all right. I just think the main thing we got to do is is when the nonsense happens, we got to show up. It's just insane what's going on out there. And everybody needs to freaking wake up and look at themselves and the world and... And, and breathe and, and not attack each other. Yeah. And again, promote tolerance. And do some math. Compassion and just using a sound mind. Yeah, critical thinking. Gun control. Well, that's a whole nother subject. Okay, here's here's my one word for it. <laughs> they can't take your guns, guys. They can't. It's too big of a job. Okay, stop saying that to each other. So the so the, so that they get you to buy more guns and 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 serve their purpose. That's all that's going on. You get all excited, then you go buy more guns, and they're like, okay, we got to say that. Don't say it tomorrow, but next month say the I same know. thing again. We're being so they'll go buy more guns. What are they going to do next week? No more shirts. So we go out and we're buy coming, more shirts? We're coming to your house. Yep, we're, we're going to take, take all your shirts. shirts. Head on out and buy more shirts. Yeah, yeah the government's coming. They're, go, they're coming to every house. They're taking all the shirts. It's just retarded. And it all comes down to fear, man. Fear and insecurities and playing into those fears and insecurities because we all have them, but we can't let them control us. Yes, exactly. And nobody get mad at me for just saying the word retarded. I, I, You're good, man. I, You're all good. Well, you were never good. Everybody's always freaking out about something. You got a the point. The wrong things. Not here, though. The wrong things. You're in a safe place here, all I right. assure you, all Carl. Right. And we certainly encourage people to check out Carl Denson's tiny universe. Yeah, and the, and the record, man, it's really just about this dialogue that we're having right now. Yeah, I think it's important talk, and I'm glad we can have an honest, open, intelligent, non-confrontational discussion. Exactly. Granted, we have the same views. That kind of helps. Yeah, 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 exactly. And <laughs> if we talked long enough, we'd get into some things we wouldn't agree with. But, you know, I'm never going to call you non-American. You know, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna attack you as a person because you don't agree with me. I'm gonna I'm gonna really you know like I always tell everybody I, I don't want to be right. I want to be correct. Happy. I want to be happy. I don't want to be right. I just want to be happy. I want to be I want to be correct. You know, like I will I will do the work to figure it out. You know, and if you can show me where I'm wrong, you know I'm willing to look at it. Yeah. And that's what we need to be more about is let's be correct, not right. You know, because that I want to be right thing over it. I mean, in marriages, in everything, friendships and all kinds of relationships, it just gets you in trouble every single time because you just fight over that and you lose focus. Right. The big picture. Right. Thank you, Carl. You rule. Good times. Thank you to Carl Denson and thank you to Jake Nager in the Moment of Truth for the intro and now outro music. Jake, going to be a future guest. And Carl, see him. Carl Denson, Tiny Universe, Friday Night Music Box. I can't wait. I'm going. After that sit down, I'm like, how can I not go and support Carl and check out the band? And uh, definitely pick up the new record, Gnomes and Badgers. And uh, thank you to Carl for being so open 
and just let it all out. But uh, definitely thank you for listening and thank you to all our supporters and sponsors, the Patreon homies, you know who you are, Jennifer, Forrest. There's just a beautiful handful, beautiful handful, a handful of beautiful, there we go, people that still contribute to the Patreon, including uh, Mariposa Ice Cream with four locations in San Diego, between San Diego, Temecula, Murrieta, there's four, Oceanside. But uh, best homemade ice cream on the planet, no question. I just saw a Facebook update go out for Mariposa. They have my favorite, favorite flavor right now at the uh, Normal Heights location. If you go to the Normal Heights location, ask for Anna. She's usually the one working there. And say, hey, give me some of that, that peanut butter and jelly ice cream. That, that Cantori just friggin' dies over. <laughs> it's, it's so good. It's uh, just delicious hidden chunks of peanut butter and then the jelly and oh my gosh oh my gosh oh my gosh oh my gosh thank you to uh, mariposa ice cream i'm gonna go get some right now all right until next time be well be well and be cool don't let the haters bring you down